Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Was I probably prone to do this or that because of my environment and because of my upbringing? Yeah, probably. But I still had to make the choice, okay? And when the time came for it to, for me to turn away from my sins and praise God, the Holy Spirit was working on me and did that work of turning to Jesus, that was still a choice that I, I had to make. Like I had to make this surrender to him. But I couldn't blame anybody. I can't blame my upbringing. I can't do this. And same for Israel. You made the choice. Don't underestimate the power of choice. In today's powerful message from Pastor James, he encourages us to remember that we have a choice. No matter what your upbringing has been or what genetic propensity you might have or how much education you've received, you have the ability to choose to follow after God or not. You get to make that choice each day, whether you're going to live and serve Christ or this world. Pastor James urges you to choose wisely and to choose to serve Jesus. Jesus is the best choice. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Amos chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken. Give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless. Give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. I understand the omnipotence of God in that sense. I don't understand it, but I, you know, I get it, right? He's everywhere. But let's pretend he walked into our church one day. What, what would he, he'd fill out a visitor card, right? And uh, maybe, maybe if we did have a suggestion side, I don't know if we do on our cards. If we do, don't write any suggestions, please. But what if, but what if he evaluated like us? Because this is what he's doing for Israel. He's like, I hate everything you're doing. Your church services, I hate them. No, that's strong language, God. We don't say that word. That's not nice. It's going to hurt our feelings. He's like, maybe your feelings need to be hurt because you're playing games. He's like, I hate all your show and your pretense. And the wording is, is that strong? He despises it. If we're putting on a show or some performance, he doesn't like that. We need to understand this. And I think as a church, capital C church, especially in America, we really need to get this. We think he's impressed by our shows. He is not impressed by our shows. What he wants is our hearts. And so who cares what that looks like? Who cares how that looks and sounds and all that stuff? We want to give our best because he deserves our best. But it has to come from our hearts. Because if it doesn't, it's all nonsense. It's crazy. He's like, and we're about to go into the section where they are doing all the right religious practices, but with the wrong hearts. And God calls them out on it. He says, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals. Note that, your religious festivals. But God, you instituted them. Yeah, and I wanted them to go like this, but them, and you made them like this. So they're yours. Your solemn assemblies, that means they're, they're gathering together. Now remember, we're talking to the northern tribes, and the northern tribes had come up with this idea of like, let's set up an altar in the north so that we don't have to go down to Jerusalem to worship with everybody else. So let's make it convenient for ourselves. We'll make it convenient for ourselves. And the altar that they set up wasn't even really for God. It was for a pagan deity is technically what what happened there. But they they set up this abomination. And this is their, their religious practices and all this stuff. They're still trying to like 
merged, you know, what they had learned from, from Moses and the law and, and just merged that with the, the current culture, so to speak, right? And just leave God out. And then we're just going to worship like this. We're still going to do these things, but we're going to do them not to this God. Well, we, we'll say that, but not really to him, but it will be to these other things. He says, it's, it's hypocrisy. He says, I, I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise, right? Just brutal. Like God's like, it's just, it's, it, you're hurting my ears. Wait, it's a joyful noise. He's like, not that. Not that. Because you're not singing to me. And if you're singing to me, but you're not, these songs aren't coming from your heart. He says, I won't listen to the music for, of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living, right? He's like, don't give me the show. He's like, how about you just live out what I've commanded you to live out? You want to impress me? Do what I say. Do what I say. You think you're impressing me by all the offerings. He's like, I don't even accept your offerings. You're singing to me. I don't want to hear you sing those songs anymore. You're hurting my ears. If you want to do anything that's going to impress me, clean your room, right? And let's parents get that, right? Like, you know, you want to impress me? Like, do the dishes, okay? Do them when I tell you to do the dishes, right? Like, feed the dogs. Just do what I say. Do what I say. And this is what God is doing. He's pleading with his kids. He's like, I just want you to do what I say. You're living a life that is unrighteous. It's evil. And you're distributing all this injustice. He's like, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, I want to see an endless river of righteous living. Verse 25, he says, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness? In the wilderness, Israel? Question. He's like, was it to me? No. You served your pagan gods, Sukkoth, your king god, and Kaiwan, that's your star god, the images you made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile to the land east of Damascus, says the Lord whose name is the God of heaven's army. So here, this is just that first little woe. He's saying, you're going to be taken captive. And we know that historically, they were taken captive by the Assyrians who live up to the north and just to the east of Damascus. So God's like, you're going to be taken away. You're going to be taken away. But just so you understand, when they do show up and you start crying out to me of like, but we're so good. But we're so good. Why? This isn't fair. This isn't fair. God's like, I've been warning you for years. I've been warning you for years. You don't want to listen. Okay, here's what's going to happen. He does give them opportunities to turn. He, he does provide them with opportunities to turn. And remember, back early on in chapter 5, seek me. Return to me. Come back to me. Come back. You don't have to go. You don't have to be a captive. You can come back to me. But that means you actually have to physically stop what you're doing, turn and seek the Lord. This is what he's saying to his people. And I I know sometimes we get this mindset of like Old Testament stuff isn't really applicable to us today, when that's not true, because there's still a lot of lessons to be learned from some of these Old Testament stories. And this one still even applies to us today, even as a believer, like just continue to seek the Lord. Every day you wake up, Make it your top priority. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Spend time with him. Open up the word. Read the word. You know, get however much of it you can. If you're like, I can only take a chapter at a time, well, then enjoy a chapter at a time. 
I can only get like a paragraph. Then enjoy a paragraph at a time, right? Get the word in you. Seek the Lord. Make time to spend, you know, in communion with him, speaking, you know, praying to him, but then also doing your part to sit in silence and let him talk to you, okay? Seek him out. Seek him out. Because what they were guilty of, it's just as easy for me to fall into some of the same stuff. So let's, let's go through chapter 6 real quick, because this continues on the woes, the woe is me thing. Verse, verse 1, chapter 6. What sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem, you who feel secure in Samaria? You are famous and popular in Israel, and people go to you for help. But go over to uh, Kaunia, however you say that. I don't know. See what happened there. Go over to the great city of uh, Hamath. And go down to the Philistine city of Gath. You are no better than they were. And look how they were destroyed. So here the, the people of Israel are just lounging about. They, they're living comfortable, cushy kind of lives, thinking like, we're doing really well. Because if we weren't doing good, we wouldn't have all this stuff, right? So lots of stuff equals God's favor. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. They're like living in luxury. They're famous. They, they got nothing to worry about, oh, except for the day of the Lord that's about to show up on them, okay? So don't think all that glitters is gold, right? Because it's not. It's not. The life of luxury is, not, is really not the best thing for us. There's just something to be said, and I, I always go back to this when I find myself struggling with this, right, of just complaining and wondering, God, why don't you come through for me? Or, you know, I, you, you know our needs and all that good stuff. It can get into those modes, you know, and... But what the Lord always reminds me of is the Apostle Paul, who said that, he's like, I've had much and I've had nothing. And through it all, what I've learned is to be content. And I'm like, that's a good lesson. Lord, help my heart to just be content. It doesn't matter what I have, what I don't have. I have the best thing, and that's him. So I can just be content. Just be content. That's a lesson that I have to learn. And I am am learning just continually through this journey. Verse 3, he says, you push away every thought of the coming disaster, right? They, they, They shrug it off. But your actions only bring the day of judgment closer. It's kind of like, it feels like we're living in these times, right? These these days, right? You tell tell people like, I think the Lord's coming back soon. They're like, nah, 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 I don't think so, right? Like, nah, no, no. Nah, what? You've been saying that for years, Church has been saying that for years. I think that's what the Bible said was going to happen, by the way, that more people would be talking about the Lord coming back and talking more about that the closer it gets. And the people's response would be like, you've been saying that for years. So it's funny how we we really feel like we're at the doorstep of eternity, really, because it's like, what, the Bible is true because all this stuff is coming true. But even back then, they were saying the same thing. They shrug it off. They're pushing away every thought of coming disaster. Somebody, a prophet shows up and they're like, well, we don't have time for you. You're not tickling our ears with your message from God. So we're going to find another prophet to, t- to tickle our ears, from, you know, who's got a word from, for us from God, but that we actually like. That's, that was the problem in Israel at this time too. And here's Amos, who's you know, just a, a sheep herder. No, he's not a prophet. He didn't even go to prophet school. His dad wasn't even a prophet. And they're like, you're talking about judgment too much. We don't like you. Let's get another prophet in here, 
right? And there, there were plenty of those guys too, by the way. There were plenty of prophets, quote unquote prophets back then who were like, I'll tell you good stuff. You pay me money and I'll tell you lots of good stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, God's going to bless you. Oh, no, this coming judgment. Don't listen to that guy. Actually, what's coming? Blessing. Coming blessing from God. Those guys were on the scene as every single one of these prophets, whether they were major prophets or minor prophets, for every one of those guys, there were probably like two or three false prophets coming around saying the opposite of what God was actually saying. No, 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 no. It's, you got nothing to worry about. You're God's chosen people. Of course he's going to bless you. And then the prophets are like, um, actually, that's not true. Yeah, you are his chosen people, but he's coming with the paddle. He's coming with the paddle, and he's got the naughty spoon. Like, God's got the naughty spoon. Here he comes, like, we need to get right. And they're like, well, we don't like your message. We're going to listen to these guys. This is what they were encountering in this day. It says, how uh, terrible, verse 4, for you who sprawl on your ivory beds. I don't even know what, an ivory bed. Like, what is that? Like, a, like what is going on there? Like, how did you get all that ivory? How many animals had to die just for your ivory bed? And like, but you can understand that it's, what it's communicating is like, not just luxury, but like, I mean, excess. Like, okay, the, and the ivory bed, really, that's too much. Okay, that's, that's too much, right? But he's communicating, he's painting a beautiful picture for us of like how they were living. Sprawled on your ivory beds, lounge on your couches, eating meat of tender lambs from the flock, and the choice calves fattened in the stall. You sing trivial songs to the sound of a harp and fancy yourself to be great musicians like David. Right? This is just so funny to me because my brain just immediately starts painting these pictures in my mind, okay? Of just what these guys look like. They're lazy, lazy. And see, their luxur- luxurious lifestyle has led to them being lazy, and they've also, like, you've gotten to the point where you've got so much money and so much wealth that what happens, what happens to everybody who gets this? You don't need God anymore because you think money is going to solve all your problems. And now you got more than what you can handle, more than what you can count. Oh, until the day of the Lord does show up and you can't buy your way out of that. But this is the people of Israel. They're just lounging around. They're not doing anything. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, what God has called them to do. And they're just plucking away on their harps, and they're like, it just sounds just like David, right? That, you, that just sounds just like David. Don't you think? Maybe better than David, actually. I think that's better than David, right? Why don't I have more Spotify followers, right? I mean, this is crazy. Like, how amazing am I at this harp? And Amos is like, what are you doing? This is embarrassing. Like, get up. Go do something outside. Get, get a sword. Go fight. Like, go do something. They're just lounging around on their ivory beds. Just crazy. Pretending, fancying themselves to be great musicians like David. It's always funny. You drink wine by the bowlful. Again, excess. Not cupful, bowlful. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's not enough to have it in a cup. You got to have it in a bowl. It's not enough to have a normal bed. You got to have an ivory bed. And, and this is just, their hearts are being really just kind of flayed right open. And God's like, look at who you are. It says, you perfume yourself with fragrant lotions. You care nothing about the ruin of your nation. Therefore, you'll be the first to be led away as captives. Suddenly, all your parties will end. God's like, okay, well, enjoy. Enjoy what you have now because it's soon going to be gone. 
It's soon going to be gone. You don't care about your nation. You don't care about the state of this. And for them, for the Israelites, this is God's land. It was never their land. It was always his, and he's letting them borrow it. And he said, that's my land, and I set you there as stewards of my land, and you don't care about my land. So here's what's going to happen. You will be forcibly removed from my land. Your parties will end. Say goodbye to your ivory bed. Say goodbye to your choice meats and your harps and your all that. He's like, that's over. It's over. Verse 8, the sovereign Lord has sworn by his own name, and this is what he, the Lord God of heaven's army, says, I despise the arrogance of Israel. I hate their fortresses. I will give this city and everything in it to their enemies. This is like God, and this is to a people that he loves. He picked them. And he's just like, there's nothing that you're doing that I like right now. But that's kind of harsh, right? You're like, again, these aren't, these aren't really, you know, nobody's doing sermon series on this type of stuff, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now, right? Like, nobody's like, yeah, let's just talk about how much, you know, God hates some of our acts, right? Or, or what he, sometimes what he really thinks. Like, but this is God exposing to them, like, the hypocrisy. I set you apart. You're a holy nation, a holy nation meant to represent me, and you're doing the opposite of that which means in your, doing, in your rebellion or your doing of opposite of what I called you to do, he's like, I hate every act that you're doing because I have to hate every act that you're doing. Why? Because it's sin. It's sin. And not only that, but you're doing it in a, just an audacious type way of like, you don't even care. You're, you're just flaunting it. He says, you're, I despise your arrogance. I hate your fortresses. I'll give the city and everything to the enemies. Verse 9, if there are 10 men left outside in one house, they will all die. And when a relative who is responsible to dispose of the dead goes into a house to carry out the bodies, he will ask the last survivor, is anyone else with you? When that person begins to swear, no, bye, he says he will interrupt him and say, stop, don't even mention the name of the Lord. Right? So you can imagine the scene of like dead bodies are there. And so somebody's responsible for like disposing of the dead bodies. And so that person goes into a house and, and there's somebody hiding in the house. He's like, Is there anybody else in here? Any more dead bodies for me to carry out? And the guy is like, He's going to confirm to the guy asking, No. And, I, you know, he's going to swear by the name of the Lord. And the other guy's like, Shh, Don't say his name. Don't say his name. I, I don't want him to know I'm here. Right? Like, we're try- I'm trying to hide out from that guy. And what's funny is, like, they won't speak his name even to this day. Right here, technically, this is, this is like Jehovah, right? And so they, they won't even, you know, we can't even write out this in all, you know, Yahweh, all that good stuff. But, like, they won't speak his name. But here, the Lord is saying, you're just, you're trying to deal with the dead, and you got guys hiding out from me, and you don't even want to speak my name because you're afraid I'm going to find you. And, and even just studying through this again today, I was just reminded of the Garden of Eden and the worst game of hide-and-go-seek played by Adam and Eve. And they hide, and God's like, all right, where are you guys at? Right? Like, see, obviously, he knows where they're at. And they're like, well, we hid from you. You can't hide from him. What, you think, like, not saying his name means that he's just not going to know you're there? Right? That's the thing. If, you, if you're a child who watched scary movies growing up. Maybe you didn't. Praise God for that. Let me tell you right now. Yeah, I watched a lot of scary movies growing up. Um, that's just kind of what happened. Spent most nights covered, you know, head to toe under the blankets, right? Because 
Like, if I was in that position, no one could find me. Okay, the bad guys, the evil guys from the movies, they're not going to find me because my head's covered by the blanket, right? So that's like, this is kind of what we're dealing with here. They're like, don't say his name. We don't want him to know we're here. Okay, (laughs) right? Like, okay. We understand the logic behind this. The logic is that there is no logic. They're just so lost, so lost in all of this. Don't say, don't even mention the name of the Lord, Jehovah, the existing one. Verse 11, when the Lord gives the command, homes both great and small will be smashed to pieces. Can horses gallop over boulders? No, they can't. Can oxen be used to plow them? No. He says, but that's how foolish you are when you turn justice into poison and the sweet fruit of righteousness into bitterness. You brag about your conquest of lo debar. You boast, or didn't we take Carnaim by our own strength? O people of Israel, I'm about to bring the enemy nation against you, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. They will oppress you throughout your land from Lebo Hamath in the north to the Arabia Valley in the south. So God just, this is all part of that, that last little woe there. He's just giving them a heads up of like, I've been warning you, judgment's coming, it's on its way. kind of really wish you would stop living this unrighteous lifestyle. I really wish you'd stop inflicting injustice upon my people that I've asked you to take care of and, and to display righteousness and justice to all. But they've chosen not to do that. And because of their choice not to do that, he has to show up and he has to discipline them because the father disciplines those whom he loves. And they can't blame anybody else for this. They can't blame anybody else. Well, God, it was the environment I was raised in. No, it's a choice you made. It's a choice you made. Because all along, you know, chapter five, chapter six, there was a, a, an invitation that was extended to them, come back to me, which implies a choice to be made. So we can't blame this or that. It's, it's choices we make. It's decisions we make. And, and ultimately, I know, I can speak for myself, there are things that, yeah, was, was I probably prone to do this or that because of my environment and because of my upbringing? Yeah, probably. But I still had to make the choice, okay? And when the time came for it to, for me to turn away from my sins and praise God, the Holy Spirit was working on me and did that work of turning to Jesus... That was still a choice that I, I had to make. Like, I had to make this surrender to him. But I couldn't blame anybody. I can't blame my upbringing. I can't do this. And same for Israel. You made the choice. You made the choice. And now he's going to show up, and he's, he's going to send an army to invade you and to take you away as captives because of your consequence. But that's not always a bad thing. I mean, we would like for it to be, the story to be otherwise, but maybe that... Seems like it turned out to be. Now, we know how the rest of the story goes. We know the Gospels. We know that Israel rejected their Messiah and all that good stuff. But when they came back from Babylon, and I've said this before, you don't have a lot of idolatry problems in Israel in the sense of, you know, Baal and Ashtaroth and all that stuff. Like they abandoned all that stuff. Now, they didn't live right because when Jesus showed up, they rejected him and crucified him. But. It did have an effect on them. But here's God just working with his kids. He's like, I love you. I love you. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Okay, you don't want to come back to me. Well, here's what's going to happen.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken in a series that you just don't want to miss. Pastor James Grizzle has been walking through the messages that God gave to the prophets in the times that Judah and Israel were not only holding God at arm's length, but also suffering under oppression. It doesn't sound too different than when I let my own selfishness drive my decisions. Am I alone in that? What's amazing to me is that God's love for His children isn't conditional. I love that it's not dependent on what I do or what I don't do, but He does desire an authentic relationship with you and me, a friendship that isn't second best. I urge you to not replace him with the things of this world that eventually fade away. Will you join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday night at 7 p.m. to hear more of God's Word? For those of you that can't make it in person, don't worry. We live stream all of our services just for you. So find us on Facebook today. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that and a laid-back atmosphere, then you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, look around a little. You'll find our location, a bunch of archived messages, and a place to give to the ministry. We'd love to have you partner with us as we praise the mighty name of the Lord Jesus together. And with that, we're coming to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you decided to spend your day with us here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.